This story is called Farah. It takes place about, I would say, 1979, 1980, maybe as late as 1981. I'm living in Southern California. I'm working at Bioscience, and I'm trying out different shuls in the neighborhood. I remember one shul I went to, you know, Valley Beth Shalom. You know, it was a big shul, conservative shul, and... What I what I remember about it was on Shabbos morning, they were when they were reading the Torah, the rabbi would in between the aliyahs, you know, he would he would go, the next aliyah we're going to have the Bobby and the Zaidi, and then he would say, but in, until they get up here, let me tell you about the special at the you know Shalom's butcher shop. Uh, on brisket or something like that. So he used to tell you about different things going on in the community in between the aliyahs. It was like there was a camera filming the whole thing in the back of the room. And he had a commercial break while the Bubby and the Zadie came up to the Bima to have the aliyah. That was just one of the places I went to to try to find a place to daven. The other, I remember one other place in, in Northridge. I went there and everybody was sitting in a circle downstairs in the basement. That's where the shul was held in the basement. And everybody's sitting around in a circle. And I sat down and I remember the rabbi coming by and he was asking, he had a microphone in his hand. And he was coming up to you and saying, good Shabbos. He says, can you tell me what's up in the front of the room behind the the curtain where Carol is now standing? It was like, it was like let's make a deal or for, wheel of fortune. Uh, obviously, he was talking about the Aaron Kodesh, but he was trying to engage people in a discussion about what, what Shabbos was about, what Shul was about, what was behind the curtain in the front of the room. Anyways, it was so strange to me. I couldn't dive in there. But the, one of the weirdest places I ever davened was in a little shul. It was a mortar and brick shul at the end of the street from the offices where I worked. And I wasn't sure if anybody sure if anybody even davened in this place. It it obviously was a shul. It had a name of a shul out in front. And one Shabbos morning I decided the thing to do was to go and daven in that shul. And I remember getting there on time and going in and on time means around maybe nine thirty, ten o'clock, and coming in there, and I looked around and thought, whoa, this place is really strange. I said, where's, I don't even know if there was a minion here. And I looked around and sure, there's a guy up on the bima and there's re, they're reading the Torah. And I look around, there's a couple of Mexican kids running around. There's a, an old Mexican guy over there in the corner. Looks like he's asleep. And there's, you know, I'm thinking, what is, this is such a weird shul. What kind of, what's going on here? And the only thing that was interesting about it, really interesting, was there was one beautiful girl there. And I thought, who is she? What is this place? Anyways, after davening, they, everybody got together in the back of the room and they had a kiddish and we sat down and we started talking and sure enough, the old Mexican guy and all the kids came around the table and they sat down and the girl sat down and I started talking to her and asking her, you know, what's your name? What's, you know, how long have you gone here? What's, what's this all about? Anyways, her name was Farah. And she explained that the Mexican guy, the guy who I thought was the Mexican guy, that was her father. That was Baba. And all these little Mexican kids who weren't really Mexican were her brothers. It was Jackie, and there was, I can't remember all the names. Isaac was one of them. And uh, so she explained to me that they had been coming to the shul, 
and they were from Persia, they were from Iran, and they had escaped. And I thought, gosh, I never met anybody who escaped from Iran. I didn't know what Iran really was. But I thought, you know, I said, you obviously need help in, in English. I said, would you like me to help you learn English? Now, I don't think I had necessarily a big ulterior motive because she was so beautiful, but the fact was, she was beautiful. And I thought, you know, I should try to befriend her and, and teach her some English. So I offered to come to meet with her at, at night uh, and, and teach her English. And so she asked Baba, she asked her father, and he said it was okay. And somehow I got the translation of where they lived and I went there to the house after Shabbos and as I'm riding up to the house on my bike there's actually a real house it's sort of an apartment I come up to this apartment and Baba is sitting on a milk crate down at the curb of the street and it's a fairly busy street but it's like I don't understand why is this why is her father sitting on a milk crate down at this at the street I think well David come on she's from Persia how do what do you do in Persia you take a milk crate and you go down and sit at the gate just like in the Purim story and I thought that's what was going on anyway so I got into the house now this was a one bedroom house uh, in the bedroom it was wall-to-wall mattresses and then there was the kitchen dining room area, one, one small kitchen with a dining room. It's a one-bedroom apartment. And I found out that Farah had, had five brothers. So there was six kids sleeping in this house with Baba. And the, Farah was taking you know, English as a second language. And she was, you know, I don't know how long she been, had been learning this English as a second language. But she obviously needed some help with her homework. And I offered to help. And I, I would come in and sit down. We'd sit at the table. First thing she'd want to make me was this very delicious fruit drink that she would, you know, she would say, you know, some, she would say something about fruit drink. Would you like fruit drink? And I would say, yes, thank you very much. And she'd bring this out and it was really good. And I used to help her with her homework. Now you have to understand for me to teach somebody English is like an oxymoron. First of all, I'm the oxymoron because my understanding of the English language is totally intuitive. I just, you know, I speak, somehow people understand what I'm saying, but I have no idea which are nouns and which are pronouns and which are adjectives and which are pro-adjectives. And I don't know any of the, I All I know is a prepositional phrase is something that starts with in and you don't put it at the end of a sentence. And the rest of it, I really didn't get when I was in what, the fifth grade. Anyway, so I'm trying to teach Farah how to do her homework, how to do a diagram of a sentence and she knows more than me and it really just turns into a conversational hour almost every night after work and I, I you know I'd get off work I'd be tired but I'd say Dave you gotta go far is expecting you and I would go there and I would help her do her homework and some days I would pick her up at the you know school where she was taking this English as a second language I'd bring her back and we'd sit down and you know we sit at the dining room table and she'd have her homework books out and her brothers maybe Jackie would join us or the other brother would join us anyways it turned out that we we did this for probably three quarters of a year uh, until she graduated from whatever that program was she was doing, and we got into conversations about you know where's your mom what what happened why did you leave 
Persia? Why did you leave Iran? And she was trying to explain to me about the revolution and the Shah. And I, you know, I just didn't know any of that stuff. So the story about her mom was that that when the Shah, I guess, was overthrown or thrown out, that the father lost all of his business wealth, uh, and the mother went basically kind of into hiding with her brother, who was a doctor. And they were trying to get the money out. Apparently, they were fairly wealthy, but all the money was tied up or hidden or, you know, you know, held by the government, and they were trying to get the money out so that, you know, they, they, they could do something here. So I remember Farah was telling me her mother's almost going to get out, almost going to get out, and eventually her mother did get out, and I remember her mother eventually came to Los Angeles, and I met her mother, and, you know, we continued with the, with the, with the conversational English, and I became like a very special person in this family. And I guess it's just because I, 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 I befriended them. Uh, I once tried to take Farah out on a date, uh, which was okay, but we had two of her brothers had to go with us to chaperone us. There was no way I was going to be alone with Farah. Um, and that's just the way it was. They, they, would, they, they watched her. She was the only girl. And she was. it was like she was the princess. And they had such care for her. It was really, you know, eye-opening for me growing up in America. And I remember one time, it was a Sunday, I got an invitation. Oh, actually, they, once the mother came, they moved into a real house, a big house with a swimming pool, which they had no idea how to clean it or why to clean it. And it was just like a big algae pond. Anyway, so I used to come into this big house. And when the mother came in, they had Persian rugs all over the floors. It was really a very nice but sparse looking house. And I remember getting an invitation to come to the house. And her mother greeted me at the door, and she she welcomed me to come in. And she had she served some some cookies and served some tea or something. And I'm thinking, where's Farah? Where's Farah? How come Farah's not here? And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And then Farah comes in. Now I had never seen her dressed up, but she was dressed up like a princess. She had a long dress on. It was just beautifully, beautiful material. She had her hair done, and she was just, just like a princess. They brought her in, or she came in, and she sat all by herself, sort of, at you know, one end of the room in a big chair, like a throne. It's like, like I was a suitor, and she was. This was my chance to meet, you know, a potential bride. I mean, I really couldn't understand. What was going on? The whole thing was so strange. All I remember was Farah was sitting in this chair. She had a beautiful dress on. Her hair was done. And and I was sitting like, there's something going on here. I don't understand what this is. I know I came in here. I've never seen this before. But there's something about this layout of the room. Farah there in the chair with this long dress on and her hair done. And I'm thinking... Maybe I'm supposed to get engaged to her. Maybe this is like, maybe they're setting me up. Maybe this is something. And I don't remember exactly how I got out of it. Um, But I do remember that was quite a shock to come into the room or have her come into the room and sit down. Anyways, I've never understood what that was all about. But thinking about it today and that today is Purim and thinking about Farah Nazmasachi 
and her family from Persia and, and the hospitality that they showed me, the kindness, the, the admiration, the, you know, they, they held me up because I knew English, because I was a Baal Chesed, because I would come to the house and every night and help her with her homework. And, and basically what I got out of it was, you know, like a, a glass of fruit drink. And to me, it was so much more than just the fruit drink. It was the opportunity to, to know that I was making a difference in this family's entry into America. And, you know, they, when they came here, they went to Wichita, Kansas. And then from Wichita, Kansas, they got to Los Angeles. And in Los Angeles, they met me. And by the time that I graduated or I left you know, Southern California. The father had bought two gas stations and Jackie and one of the other kids was running a gas station and Farah was going to Northridge University. And it was just amazing time in my life when I had the opportunity to make a difference in a family in Los Angeles. And to me, it was a wonderful opportunity to look back on that, on this day of Purim, and think that uh, they what a wonderful uh, family that was. That's the story. Take care. Have a good day. Chag Sameach.